Welcome back to another episode of the Edward Mullen podcast. It's been a while since my last podcast, and that's simply because I've been busy. I work full time. I have got an audiobook to do. I've got novels to write, novels to edit, fan mail to answer, uh, blogs to write. It's, it's busy for me. So I try to, I don't really have anything important to say. So I don't really, um, feel the need to do a podcast you know, each week, um, nor can I get interesting guests. So that's why there is no podcast. But when I go onto a trip and I come back, it seems natural or logical that there would be some things to talk about. I've done some other podcasts regarding trips, and they seem to be quite popular for people who might not get the opportunities that I do. So um, I've been to all over Southeast Asia, I did a podcast. I think I did two podcasts of that. Oh, all over Europe, did that twice. Um, the ones when I go to America, I don't really do podcasts because that's kind of standard. It's similar to Canada. But this year, you know, just recently, I went to China and I was there for two and a half weeks. We booked a tour through Sinorama, which is more of a, I don't know, seemed like a kind of a seniors tour. Everyone there was retired except Sarah and I who are in our 30s. These people are really nice. They're from all over Canada and uh, US. And we basically stayed with them uh, or traveled with them, staying in hotels for the two and a half weeks. Uh, so we booked the first, there's a main tour, which is like the big package, which has all these cities and, and adventures planned. But then you can book a pre-tour with the same company. And we did that. So we flew to... Beijing, direct from Vancouver. I guess the Beijing airport is really small. It's too small for the capacity. So we had to wait our turn. So we got there and then we just kept circling around and around and around, which after a long flight is the last thing you want to do. You just kind of want to be on the ground. And I got really queasy. I don't really get sick on planes. I get sick on like the rides at the fair. For yeah, for yeah, and I don't get sick on planes, but this time it's just going around and around. My stomach was churning. Oh my God. And then we eventually landed. And I immediately notice that the smog is deplorable. Uh, it's like this orange brown cloud that covers the city and it's thick. Like you couldn't even see a kilometer in front of you. It was just, you know, all, everything was just, f uh, foggy and gray and brown. It was, it was gross. And you, it wasn't around your immediate surroundings, so you kind of just pretend you're not breathing that in, but you're breathing it in. We had masks, but I just, you know what, I just didn't bother with them. Most of our tour mates um, who had arrived similar time to uh, to us, and then we were waiting for one last people for over an hour. They were flying in from L.A., uh, but that's okay. Well, then we get outside. Um, our, our tour guides, this, uh, Asian guy, uh, this Chinese guy, Mr. Lee, he has got this giant flag that we all have to follow him. And, uh, we find our bus, load our bus, and we drive to the hotel, which is, you know, like an hour away. And immediately you notice that the traffic is crazy. And the guy was saying that traffic is so bad that in China, which is the cause of most of the pollution, they have certain days that you know, say like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if you have a seven in your driver's, uh, in your, in your license plate, you can't drive. And then on Tuesday and Thursday, if you have a four and an eight, you, you can't drive. So it's something like that. Like they, they try to limit you. And if you, 
if you are, have a seven in your license plate and you're driving on a day when you're not supposed to, uh, they'll take pictures. They scan all, all, you have these cameras that scan all the license plates and they'll look for, uh, sevens or fours or whatever the number they're looking for. They'll take a picture and you'll get a fine. And, uh, some rich people, I guess, have more than one car that that's how they deal with, uh, getting around this. So, uh, they can drive five days a week. And what else? So yeah, the hotels, everything was like, you know, five star was really, really nice. All the, the meals and the, the buses were nice and the, um, uh, the hotels were very, very nice. And the, the, the first hotel we went to was this gorgeous five star hotel with marble and chandeliers and gold and these, uh, ornate sculptures and uh they had this pool area that we looked online and for some reason in china it's a law or something like that that you can't swim or you have to swim with a a swim cap on so we knew that we bought the swim caps um and went to the hotel and their pool area is gorgeous it's this giant like these pools they're kind of snaking pools where you can sit and uh they have like chairs under the water but it's like a built-in chair kind of like you see in a jacuzzi and you can float on this kind of lazy river uh the walls and the ceiling were all painted to look like you know bright blue sky then they had this giant lap pool which is like you know it's not olympic size but it's it's huge here's the point it was closed it was closed for renovation so it was so nice we got to look at it but we didn't get to swim in it unfortunately and for the remainder of the trip um you know on one other occasion i think in shanghai there's a pool all the other hotels i don't think they had pools or we just didn't have time we were constantly busy from like 6 a.m to like 9 30 we were just out and do, uh, doing things and this other hotel at the end of our trip in shanghai uh, we get there, but, you know, and we're all in our robes. We have our, our swimsuits on, our sandals, our, our swim caps. And then I got there and I just kind of changed my mind. I don't know. Like, it's, uh, I don't want to be rude, but I guess in different cultures, they have different customs of what they think is appropriate and inappropriate. And for some reason, some Chinese people, I'll say that, <laughs> they don't find it disgusting when they like are hawking up their snotty mucus from their nose and then spitting it into the pool. And I see this, I live in Vancouver, there's tons of Chinese people. I see them doing this, this practice where they're like hawking up their snot from their, from their lungs and then spitting it on the ground. That is not something that is uh, okay in a lot of cultures. Um, Chinese people seem to do that. I guess that's not considered rude. Also, belching. They belch at the table, which is rude where I come from. But for them, that's a sign of pleasure that they're enjoying themselves. So so anyway, point is, we get to the pool in Shanghai. And they're hawking up these loogies and spitting in the pool. And I go, you know what? I'm good. I'm not going to swim here. <laughs> but Shanghai was the very last day. So, so I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Landing in Beijing, uh, the, you know, the hotel was nice. The room was nice. Wake up. The, uh, breakfast was incredible. We're eating like doctors. It was, they had everything, uh, anything that you wanted. And they had desserts and pancakes and, and toast and pastries and muffins and, uh, along with a lot of Chinese food, which 
I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting you go for breakfast and it'd be like dinner food, but that was quite standard. Anywhere we went, they'd serve dinner for breakfast, which is not something that I like. It's like this greasy fried chicken with uh, steamed vegetables and fried rice, and it was just too much. So I stuck with, you know, for breakfast, I stuck with, you know, standard toast and yogurts and eggs and that kind of stuff. So the very first day, we visited two things, uh, Tiananmen Square, which is the site of the famous, uh, where that tank guy, that famous photo, you may have seen that guy standing in front of the convoy of tanks uh, in like the 80s or late 80s, 90s, something like that. And also the Forbidden City or the Forbidden Palace, I can't remember what it's called, but there was a movie called The Forbidden something or other, or like, no, The Last Emperor, that's what it was called. And we watched that movie prior to our trip, so it was kind of neat to, to go there. Uh, but the Forbidden City or Forbidden Palace, whatever it's called, I, I should look that up. It, it's filmed, it's used in a lot of movies, a lot of like kung fu movies. Um, so it's like this giant walled city where the emperor used to live. Well, the bunch of emperors uh, used to live. It's kind of complicated, but, um, but, but yeah, it's really nice. And then just to get to that place and Tiananmen Square, you have to go through these kind of underground tunnels because the, the city streets are too wide for for crosswalks not necessarily too wide but they don't want a bunch of people walking on the road uh for a number of reasons because it's probably unsafe and uh, because it slows down traffic and they don't want anything to slow down traffic so you got to go underneath the the streets which i've seen in other giant cities before like in uh, seoul korea they do the same thing uh but underneath there's security checkpoints where you got to take off your backpack put it through a scanner like at the airport and then walk through a metal detector and there's a guy with a monitor you know going through the contents of your bag and there's uh military everywhere with giant machine guns it was crazy it was like it was like nothing like in canada we haven't i don't see anything like that so that was a little unnerving i mean the guy our guide's like yeah it's cool to take pictures of these guys but just pretend you're not like you don't know they're young kids they're not they're like 20 maybe even younger and they're holding a machine gun and it's like yeah okay i don't trust these people they're probably oh and there's also these other um i guess there's like three or four divisions of cops so there's like you can see them they're like groups of six and they're like marching but they're all in like men in black suits and they're all young you know they're like they look like they're 17 18 you know like these young kids and they're all in suits and they have earpieces in and they're kind of like I guess like the CIA type of people. And, uh, I think somebody's in plain clothes. Like there's plain clothes officers that if they need to handle someone, they can beat them up. And it doesn't look like the government is beating up somebody for like for tourists and for other people in the city. It's not like, Hey, look at that cop beating up that guy. It's just like, Hey, look at that guy beating up that guy. So, so that's why they do that. And then they have, uh, so I think those are plain clothes. And then the next level is, uh, the suit guys. Maybe not in this order, like the order of importance. Then they have like, uh, uniformed cops, like you would see in any city. And then they have the military that walks around. So there's like four different levels of cops. And there's certain people that if you want, if you're going to get busted for something, you'd want to get busted by the guys in the suits or the, maybe the uniformed police. But definitely not the military because they're really hardcore. Like they train them to be really aggressive. They'll beat the shit out of you or they might shoot you. And then the plainclothes guys are 
like the enforcers of a hockey team, like their job, they're hired to beat the shit out of people. Something like that. I might be getting that wrong, but that's kind of how I remember it. So anyway, there's people everywhere. It's very apparent. Beijing is so incredibly busy. It's insanely busy. There's so many people. So then you go to the Tiananmen Square, and as you may expect, there's people kind of uh, selling merchandise. So every you know five seconds, people are coming up to you trying to sell you a hat or take your picture and sell it back to you or sell you a T-shirt or something like that. So postcards were common. So... So that wasn't cool. I mean, they'd come up to you and be like, no, I'm good. And then two seconds later, be like, hey, man, do you want this hat? It's like, bro, you just asked me. I, I haven't changed my mind. So, yeah, a lot of good photo opportunities there. And then went to the Forbidden City. I think it's called Forbidden City. And that's like right basically in downtown Beijing, which is kind of cool. And, yeah, it's nothing really exciting there. Just same old shit. Oh, by the way sprinkled throughout this tour which you know part of the appeal of a tour is that you don't have to think about anything you you get off the airplane a guy's waiting for you he takes your luggage he puts it in a in a bus you sit on the bus he takes you to the hotel you don't have to think about it breakfast lunch and dinner is served you don't have to think about where you're eating he takes you you get on tour bus every day and he takes you around tells you about the stuff so in terms of uh, a vacation like it you don't have to think about anything you don't have to plan like okay what what subway do we get on and what um, where do we want to go next and you, you don't have to plan anything out it's all planned out for you uh, it's a little bit more expensive to go on tours uh, which is fine I guess um, the you, what you pay you get back in convenience and um, peace of mind or whatever but also which I was anticipating this is that sprinkled throughout the tour are these, I, I don't know, they're like, you know, you have to stop at certain places and you're kind of, I wouldn't say, you're, I'd say encouraged, you're encouraged to buy things. So for instance, every day we'd go to at least one where we'd go to like a jade manufacturer and we let to see how jade is being made. And so that's kind of cool. And there's people carving it. And oh, by the way, there's this giant gift shop of, of jade, which is huge. It's the size of like, you know, a, a a grocery store like you know this giant room with all these staff waiting to help you and it's expensive as shit it's like you know a jade bracelet will be like over a thousand dollars and it's really nice but i mean i wasn't in the market for anything jade we just show up and we stay there for like an hour walk around you know some people bought some stuff whatever yeah, and so that was that day. And other days, we'd go to like a tea shop, and then uh, a pearl factory, and then you know what I mean. So like every day, we'd go somewhere. We're like, "Hey, why are we here? We don't give a shit about pearls." And then they kind of encourage you to buy stuff, which is, and then like the whole shop, the whole building, like some of these places, they're in the middle of nowhere. Like you got to drive out into like the country. And then there's this building, and then in in the parking lot, there's like twenty tour buses there. And they're like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. But whatever. Um, then the next day, still in Beijing, we got to drive. And there's there's really nice architecture. Unfortunately, you can't really see it. And what, when you do see it, you're seeing it from the bus. But the, the pollution is so bad. But the, the architecture in Beijing, there's a lot of it is really pretty because they did it for the Olympics. I want to, I didn't take pictures of it because I was just I just had an iPhone and I don't think it was going to take very good photos and Sarah had uh like um 
you know, an actual proper camera. She was taking pictures. So my God, just get it off her. But there's giant towers and these, uh, very, very large stadiums. And our guide was saying, yeah, they don't use these. They use them for the Olympics and then they just abandoned them, which is like such a waste. And there was a few instances like that. Um, and then the other thing I noticed driving through Beijing is you could literally drive for hours, like literally hours and it never let up. It was just sky rises or high rises the whole way like giant apartment buildings giant office towers there's this one hotel you'll probably you'll have to look it up i don't remember the name of it but it looks like a giant dragon it consists of like five huge buildings and then they've got the head and the tail it was built for the olympics it's really cool there's lots of really cool architecture i don't really understand like the communism part of china he was kind of explaining it so just to to kind of allow you to visualize how the day went basically we'd go into a tour bus like this giant bus uh you know had reclining seats and um that kind of thing it was a nice bus and at the front the the guide would sit and every so often he'd get on the microphone and he'd turn around and he'd yap about something uh like you know people would ask him questions or he'd talk about the architecture or the history or whatever um, mostly it was boring and it was a lot of broken English and I kind of tuned out. So I don't really understand a lot of this stuff, but he's saying, I, I mean, from my understanding of communism, it's like everyone's kind of equal and there is no poor people. And th- I guess they try to make everyone kind of the same. So there's not like sup- this super disparity between the rich and the poor. Everyone has a s- kind of a similar state. But then when we get there, we see that's not the case. There's people that are rich as fuck. You know, they're driving really fancy cars and, um, you know, luxury cars and people, you know, the guy was saying, I thought Vancouver was expensive, which it is. It's one of the most expensive places in the world. But in Beijing, they're like, he's like, oh yeah, see this place right here. If you wanted to get an apartment, it'd be like a thousand dollars a square foot or something like that. And I did the math. It'd be, way more expensive than vancouver like maybe two million dollars for an apartment and it wasn't even a good apartment it was kind of small and crappy and it's traffic everywhere it's like i i I don't know i I wouldn't want to live in beijing or a big city like that maybe hong kong but or london yeah it's just too many people too busy and then so the next day we drove through the city probably stopped at some of these you know pearl shops whatever and then we're driving the country. We're driving for like two hours. And then it's these huge mountains. And I'm from BC and we got big mountains, but these mountains in China, they seemed like three times the size. And it's like, whoa, these are giant ass mountains. Uh, and then you're driving through this, this, this mountainous terrain, winding through this road. And then in the distance, you see this giant great wall. The great wall of China emerges. And we're like, oh, damn, it looks really nice, but that's not. And it's like, you know, uh, broken down in some places. Like it's not, it's like in disrepair, but that's not the, um, the wall that we're going to walk on. We got to drive for like another hour. And then we get to like this little village, which looks like they just built it two years ago. It's everything's brand new. Um, and then there's like this, like a ticket booth. And then you walk up the great wall of China from there. The only problem is I got uh, some pictures on, on Facebook and, and Instagram. The only problem with that is, um, there's just way too many people and it's really steep. Like it's not easy to climb it. You're, and it's dangerous. Like the, 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 the great wall gets walked on so much that the, 
stones get smooth and they get worn down and the steps are uneven. So one step might be three inches, but the next one will be 10 inches. So then you're kind of like, you know, it's a little sketchy and like you can't grab onto a handrail because there's people coming down, holding onto handrails. You kind of have to go through in the middle. It is really dangerous. And uh, yeah, we stop every so often, take some pictures. We climbed all the way to the top and to the top was like a dead end. And then we wanted, there's like this uh, roller coaster type thing. Not a roller coaster, but I guess that's the best way to describe it. You sit in this chair and you ride this like train track all the way down. But we didn't know where, we didn't know if it went down to the the, the spot where we need to meet our, our friends. And nobody speaks English. Sarah speaks uh, Cantonese, which is the same written language as Mandarin, but it's spoken completely different. Like the two cannot understand each other. So, so we tried to ask like, Hey, where does this go? Where does this go? And they're like, yeah, no, that wasn't happening. So we had to turn around and just walk, walk back, which not a big deal, but yeah, our legs were kind of, uh, sore at the end of the day. Uh, the day after that, um, we had, so every day we were waking up at like six and coming back at like nine 30. It was, it was busy. Um, the, the third day, the guide's like, okay, you know what? We're going to start late. You can have the morning to yourself. We'll start at like, you know, 11 or 12 or something like that. And you can do whatever you want. So Sarah and I still woke up at six. We were still jet lagged. So, um, we were waking up early anyway. So we get up, we have breakfast and then we went on the subway to what's called old Beijing. Maybe there's more than one old Beijing, but we went to a old Beijing and it's really cool. First of all, the subway, everything in China that we saw was very, very clean which is surprising for a large city. But like all this, the roads were swept. Uh, there's no litter anywhere. Um, everything was like polished. And I mean, if you got a billion people, it stands to reason some of them are willing to clean up the streets. You know, uh, there's a lot of people that are really desperate for work and they'll do anything. So, so everything's really clean. Uh, we go to the subway and the subway is, as you may imagine, in a giant metropolis is there's like, you know, a hundred subway lines in Vancouver, there's two or, you know, maybe three, but like there, there's like easily 50 and they're all interconnected. It's, it was crazy. Uh, so fortunately everything's in English and they speak English. So they're like, you know, next stop, so-and-so get off here, blah, blah, blah. And then when you get off, there are signs everywhere. Like, okay, go here for, uh, everything's color coordinated. So it's like B line will be green. So then you keep a big arrow and then you keep walking and then there'll be another sign B line green and a point. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then you get on, you know, like, Hey, this isn't that bad. And then, so, which is not the case in London, London has very similar in the sense that it's like, you know, 400 train lines, but it's not clearly marked and everything's old as shit you know you go to london it's like this looks like this train looks like it's from the 1900s and the subway looks super old but in beijing everything's new and clean and the trains are new and um it's just a much more pleasant experience and then when we get off at the old beijing uh it's really cool because they utilize every uh, piece of real estate so the back alleys like in, in vancouver the back alleys are filled with dumpsters and graffiti and you know, homeless people pissing and it's not a place you want to hang out. It's not even a place you want to walk. In Beijing, uh, they, they repurpose their alleys. So they're all storefronts and, you know, people selling food and there's public toilets and, 
it was a whole city or not a city a whole civilization of people like living there and working there this whole bustling economy in an alley and then there's this whole network of alleys it was there's no i think there was some cars but there was no traffic it was it was an alley there was like parked cars um so so that was kind of cool but nothing really that you'd want to buy like you know i've never came across I did come across a Nike store actually, but it was closed. And that was on like the main drag. There's this one main, well, I shouldn't say main. There's probably a hundred main streets, but there was one main street, which was closed off to traffic. And there was lots of really fancy shops like, you know, Fendi and, uh, Christian Dior and DVF, those types of places like Louis Vuitton. And then there's a Nike store. All that, we went really early, as I mentioned. So it was, all those were closed. But, you know, it was really cool. And, and all this, these alleyways, uh, apparently this is like the old city that maybe from like, you know, 500 years ago. So there's a lot of old architecture and, and that was really cool to see. Um, then that day we went to like some garden, I think. I don't know. There's, yeah, some garden, some old some old buildings i can't really remember and there's you know lots of people playing cards because i guess to get in um it's free for old people so a lot of old people who have nothing to do they just go there and they play um like poker and and cards like that kind of thing and chess and they get really animated and they they swear because they they're betting i think right so so that's kind of neat and then from there i think we took a bus uh you know what? We might have flown. I think we flew to a city called Kunming. And Kunming is the start of the main tour. So the Beijing was the pre-tour and not everyone joined us on the pre-tour. There's maybe 12 of us. And then we get to Kunming and we meet up with the rest of the tour group who opted out of the pre-tour. So it was, you know, our original 12 or whatever, how many people there were. And they're all couples, you know, uh, husband, wife. And there was one mother, daughter we arrive in Kunming and meet up with everybody else, get on this giant bus. So yeah, we get to our hotel. Everything's pretty standard. Um, the first day we went to, I can't remember what we did in Kunming, maybe just kind of cruised around the city, checked out some, some sites. Um, one of the days, I think it was day three, we went to what's called the stone forest. And this is crazy. It's this natural rock formation. Um, picture like stalagmites, that it's kind of like a they look like petrified trees like these giant stones that are uh emerging from the earth and you can walk through them and they're huge they're like the size of a tree and you can climb on them and they have uh stairs so you can walk up and stand on top of them and and look over and they make it it's like that's a tourist attraction so they make the grounds look really really nice so it's all landscaped with flowers and uh it looks like what I, when I see it, it's like, oh, okay, this is probably where they filmed Jurassic Park. It's definitely not, but it looks like something out of like the Jurassic era. You know, it's like, it looks super old and well, it is old, but it looks kind of like you've stepped out of a time machine and you're like expecting a pterodactyl to swoop down at any moment. It was pretty cool. And, uh, I posted some photos of that. If not, you can just Google it if you're interested. It's called Stone Forest. And Kunming, K-U-N-M-I-N-G. Um, so, so in Kunming, so this stone forest is really cool. It's it's a huge uh, 
you know, we were there pretty much the bulk of the day and it's this, um, like five hour walk, like all through these, these stones. And from at one point you can walk, it's like maybe a couple kilometers, like four kilometers, but we opted to get this little kind of like a, a golf, you know, it was like golf carts, but it was like a stretch limousine golf cart. So it's like open air. There's no doors. You just step in on these benches and they take you the four kilometers. So then we get off at this next uh, place at the stone forest and we're missing a guy, you know, this young kid who is with his parents. Here's the thing. So yeah, I guess this guy had, he was in the washroom. We all went to the washroom and after everyone uh, was finished with the washroom, we, we gathered again and then we walked to this, uh, to this little bus uh, station, which would take us to the next part. Um, and this kid was still in there. He was in there for 30 minutes. I guess he had an upset stomach. And here's the problem. How do you leave your kid behind? I mean, if you're leaving, like, okay, we're all going, everyone, like, let's go to this place. And you get on a bus and you go. And then when you get off, you're like, oh yeah, where's our son? It's like, I blame the parents. I blame the parents first, then, then the tour guide. The tour guide should have did a head count, but... I mean, how do you leave your son behind? That that was completely unacceptable. And this family were the cause of so many problems on this trip. Like very, very inconsiderate. Like every time we had to wait, like and one time we were at this, uh, you know, one of these like jade shops or pearl shops or whatever. And we're everyone's back on the bus and we're waiting over there for 30 minutes. And we're like, dude, why are we still here? What's going on? Then the tour guide comes on the bus and he goes, Hey, just so you know, uh, you know, homeboy is trying to buy a painting or something like that. And, um, I mean, I'm not sure if, I'm not so sure if he's to blame, like uh, if he wanted the painting and he, maybe he didn't know it was going to take that long, but it didn't seem like when he got on the bus, like, Hey, sorry guys, my, my bad. We were kind of haggling over price and sorry it took so long. Thanks for being so patient. He didn't do any of that shit. He just got on the bus and you know, like, I don't know. It just seemed like every time we have to wait, I'm like, why are we waiting? It's like, Oh yeah, it's this kid and his family. And this guy was not a kid. He's like, you know, my age, like 33. And we're just waiting every single time. And then, and then on the, the bus, we're like, oh, we're, we have to wait for somebody. Oh, cause that kid got lost or, oh, it's because this kid has got diarrhea or this, it's like something wrong with this family that there's either inconsiderate or they're slow or they're, I don't know. They, they piss me off. Um, but everyone else is kind of cool. So, so yeah, that was Stone Forest. So after that, we went to a place called Dali in Lijiang. Now, a lot of the stuff I won't remember. Uh, I don't remember the day to day. I'd have to look at my photos and be like, Oh yeah, this is what we did, which, which I'm not doing for this podcast. I'm kind of going from memory, which is not a good thing. But in Tibet, uh, so, so I believe Dali and Li Zhang is in Tibet. I could be, I could be wrong, but, um, Tibet is like 10,000 or 9,000 feet above sea level. So this guide is telling us, like, hey, just so you guys know, there there's a high possibility that you're going to get altitude sickness. And what that means is that you can uh, feel nauseated, uh, you're going to get a headache, uh, you feel sick, that kind of thing. Uh, if that happens, let me know immediately. 
Um, drink lots of water when you're walking, like anywhere, including or especially stairs. Go very, very slowly because you're going to lose your breath easily. It's like a lack of oxygen, basically. Your, your, your brain and your muscles are not getting or not muscle, but like everything in your body is not getting uh, uh, enough oxygen and you, f- you get sick. Um, Sarah got sick. She went to South America a couple months ago and was in high altitude as well, or high elevation, and she got sick. She got sick for like a week, like a headache. So I was expecting that, but the guide's like, you know what? It's like 80% mental. If you just think that you're not going to get sick and you can overcome it, you can overcome it. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm that guy. I'll be the, I just, I just try to keep my, my frame. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not going to affect me. I'm, I'm not going to get uh, sick from altitude. So we go up to, yeah, this like windy road that's going up and up and up and up and up and up. Like it's, we're driving up forever. It's not like, you know, when you go to like a ski hill and you start at the bottom and then maybe, 20 minutes later you're at the top of the ski hill it was not that at all it was so high and and we just kept going and kept going and kept going we were like in the clouds essentially and then we kept driving there's another mountain after that it's like oh my god we're so high up and we'd stop every once in a while and there was uh you know some photo opportunities we could take a picture of the landscape which doesn't really do justice in the photo but when you're there it's like oh my god this is incredible giant pastures on the hill uh yaks people you know with yaks people selling yak meat uh which sarah tried i I was trying to be very cautious i'm like i don't want to introduce anything weird into my system you can't drink the water in beijing or not in beijing anywhere in china you have to boil it first which is a huge pain in the ass so at night when you're trying to brush your teeth you got to boil the water in this like kettle you got to wait for it to cool because obviously it's boiling hot and then you pour a little bit on your toothbrush and a little bit of, in a glass. You, you brush your teeth, you spit it out, you drink the, you know, um, the water from the glass, you rinse around, you spit that out. It's a huge pain in the ass. And one more thing about Beijing. I don't know if you know this. I didn't know this, but everywhere in China goes by one time zone, goes by Beijing time, which is weird. Like I think the size of, China is similar to the size of Canada in terms of its width. And we have like four time zones. We got like Pacific time, mountain time, uh, Eastern standard time. There might be another time in there. Like, I, I don't, uh, yeah, whatever. Like Green, Greenwich time. I don't know. China has one. So in Beijing, the sun will rise at, let's say, 6.30, 7 o'clock. But then on the other side of the country sunrise will be at like 10 a.m and that's just standard because they didn't adjust their time to be three hours ahead so or three hours earlier so it's all it's all fucked up right so that was kind of interesting so anyway i'm staying away from anything that could potentially have parasites because that's the last thing you want on a trip to get sick so anything that's like like a, a a fruit i don't know how they prepared that fruit i don't know if they just ran it out of the sink and then cut it up and so so yeah and i didn't want to get sick right so i i only ate cooked things um like you know chickens rice things that are very safe in my opinion noodles and so like yak meat i'm like nah i'll pass on that i don't know what that's going to do to my stomach so yeah so then we get back on the tour bus we continue to drive up further we get to the top of this place called uh shangri-la 
And I believe Shangri-La means paradise or something like that. I can't remember. I wasn't really listening to these tour guides, but the one tour guide. So we have a main, so our Beijing guide was just for Beijing, uh, Mr. Lee. He was really nice. Um, and then starting at the main body of the tour, like from Kunming to Shanghai, we got one tour guide named Jeff and he was the national guide. But then every city, we got a local tour guide. So in, in Tibet, we got this Tibetan guy and his name was Jackie. We, we met a lot of Jackies. I think his name was Jackie. Can't remember, but they, they picked these English names and he's like, Oh, I want to be like Jackie Chan. That was very common. We got, we met like three Jackies. And so, um, so, so this guy is standing in his like traditional Tibetan garb, you know, like this like costume that took him like an hour to get into it. And he's, his English is, is pretty good. It's okay. And he's like, yeah, I learn a lot from movies and, and music. So, you know, sometimes, uh, I will say things I don't really know what I'm saying. Like, yo, what's up? And he's like making this like gun sign with his fingers, like, give me all your money. And I'm just killing myself laughing. Like he's saying all these kind of things that you might see in like a gangster movie. And I don't know if he knows what he's saying, but it's hilarious. And, uh, and, uh, so that was pretty funny. So then, we're walking around Shangri-La. It's this Tibetan village on top of this mountain. And everything seems brand new. Everything is new. The Chinese government built this village for them. And uh, there's pigs and and chickens and all these things running around the streets. And there's like relatively no people around. And all these buildings are really, really nice. Like they're all made out of wood and they have these intricate dragons carved into them. Um, and then we go into one of the, and there's like these cats running around and we go into the, to this, one of these like homes and they serve us this like yak milk, which I passed on. Um, they served us some other treats, which I passed on and they kind of tell you a little bit about the history. And then afterward, I was, I just got this funny feeling like I, I felt something fishy was going on. So I called this guy out on it, which I felt bad. I shouldn't have done it, or maybe I shouldn't have done it in the way, but I'm kind of a direct speaker. I, you know, I'm just straight to the point. So I go, Hey man, um, this is a, this is a cool city, but it's fake. And he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a fake city, but yeah, I, I, I think it's really nice, but, but yeah, this is, this is for tourists. It's pretty obvious. He's like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm like, no, it's, it's cool, man. It's, it's, but it's a good, it's a fake city. This is not where people live. Look around. I mean, there's nobody here. And look at these buildings. They're all brand new and they're all intricately carved. These people are peasants. The the people that I've seen, they're not carving this stuff. And he kind of got offended, which rightly so. I was kind of being a dick. And he's like, no, 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 man. Like our people, the Tibetan people have a history. 3,000 years we carve this shit. You don't think we're skilled enough to do that? Of course we can do that. I'm like, okay. And then I talked to some other people. And they're like, yeah, I got the same impression. It seemed like the type of place where you would take tourists and be like, see, everything in Tibet is fine. Look at these nice buildings where they live. But then maybe on the other side of the mountain, they're like making iPhones or something. You know, it's, it kind of had that vibe. It's like, I don't know. It just, it just seemed kind of fishy, but whatever. I mean, uh, so, the, so then, yeah, we left, drove back down we were still in high altitude but we drove back down to another um part Uh, oh by the way so we're in the middle of the like this these mountains and then there's these giant uh buildings like it's it's like this giant sky rise and this huge like looks like a military campus 
or base and we're like what the fuck right and there's all these like giant high rises this doesn't look like there'd be enough people to fill all these places which was also part of the the kind of fishiness the mystery like what the fuck like they're like oh he's like oh yeah that's a university i'm like what the fuck is a university doing in the middle of the like mountains like there's nobody around like there's literally like mountains as far as the eye can see and then a tiny village which i saw two people and like a bunch of pigs and then there's like a campus that looks like freaking oxford it's like uh okay (laughs) like and then there's all these apartment buildings in this one section i don't know it's really weird i have pictures of it but yeah it's kind of weird but uh so then we drive back down we're still at elevation we're in a place called i think we're in a place called li zhang and you know that day we went to this place where we see some frescoes there's it's really cool because this um civilization there's lots of different kind of uh people that historically lived in china and this one group of people that lived in um i guess it was like the baisha village where there's all these really famous frescoes like a, a kind of painting that's um you know maybe three thousand years old and their language like their written language is stick figures yeah it was really cool so the way they convey stuff like giving birth will have a stick figure with a bubble on the belly or you know if uh like you know and they'll have they have they have them all laid out and they're like okay this one means love this one means i'm hungry this one means there's danger coming and it was all these stick figures it was really cool um and that's that's how they decided to to communicate with each other and so we're walking around this village we're still at altitude but not as high we've come down from the mountains and i'm i'm fine like i'm like yo altitude of uh sickness did not affect me at all i feel great and then we had lunch and we're walking around there's lots of uh uh like merchants selling little trinkets like little dishes and uh there's these really cool locks that were like this kind of a weird combination lock but it looked like it was pulled like it was found it was like this antique lock from like a hundred years ago had all these chinese characters and you had to spin them on this cylinder and then once you got the right kind of like a picture like um like a slot machine you kind of have to line up all the right things and then once you do this this the lock opens up and i'm like wow that's really cool and then it was like 200 uh rnb which is uh uh like you i think the the um currency is called yuan and but rnb it's like they, they both called it's it has two 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 different names to it and and i believe that was like 40 dollars. so every 100 yuan would be 20 dollars canadian it was something like that so he's like you know i'll sell it to you for 200 i'm like nah man I'm, i you know what the, what the what am i gonna do with a ancient antique lock it's cool but i'm not gonna spend 40 dollars on it he's like okay 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 man 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 come here come here 150 150 i'm like yeah no i'm good and i walk away he's like 125 125 100 100 100 100 and he's like whispering i'm like dude you just went down like half price i'm like i don't even want this thing so then i walked up to this lady this she's uh one of our our friends from the tour she's you know in her late 60s 70s and she's looking for a gift for her grandson i'm like hey man there's a really cool lock and i know if i was 12 years old and you came home with that i might be pretty excited about it and this guy is offering for 200 but i got him down to 100 so she went back she bought it she bought a bunch of locks um 
not really that exciting of a story, but that's kind of just the lay of the land. There's all these like tables. It's kind of like a night market if you've been to one of those. All these merchants selling weird shit like, you know, necklaces and jewelry and um, little statues and stuff like that. So then we had lunch and, you know, these places we're going to are not like some of them are not. Well, whatever. This place seemed a little dodgy. Let's put it that way. Um, for instance, there's one bathroom. And I don't know if you know this, but in a lot of the public toilets in China, there's no actual toilet where you can sit down. They just have a hole in the ground. It's like, it's nicer than a hole in the ground. It's like a porcelain, it's called this like a squatter toilet. And so it's like, uh, it's flush with the ground and it's got a hole, a hole and you can flush. Like it's flushable. And, uh, but you don't, I don't think you flush like the toilet paper. They have a basket where you, put the dirty toy paper is kind of weird and then um so that was standard and then most of them are disgusting like it's very rare like wow this is actually quite nice like in the hotels they're nice they're squatter toilets but there's also regular like western style toilets in all the hotels and a lot of the restaurants well I, i can't remember i mean some of the restaurants may oh you know what no i, I okay no my my mistake the restaurants and like when we go to like the jade and the pearl factories and like the uh this went to this vase factory and this embroidery factory we're going to all these factories right they have squatter toilets but they're clean like they're 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 cleanish right um but anytime you go to like a village or uh just some random toilet like on at a at a pit stop or like that kind of place it's usually really really disgusting and so this toilet was no exception really really disgusting and then they had uh a sink no uh, i can't remember they had like soap but no water so you had to like pump the soap and then you had to go outside and then use this like hose to wash your hands and i'm like well this is so inconvenient my guess is that the people who work here don't wash their hands like because it's such a pain in the ass to wash your hands because it's like oh i gotta get soap from over here i gotta turn this hose on and this hose is nasty because it's being touched by people so 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 whatever we sit down there was the food was kind of standard the same kind of chinese food that we've been getting in all places very kind of western chinese like we're not seeing like you know bird heads and chicken feet and like you know the weird stuff that you see at some chinese restaurants there's, you know there's no slimy you know sometimes you see like the like slimy uh like sea urchin noodles like oh is these noodles like no man that's sea urchin it's like there's none of that shit it was like chicken and stir fry and rice it's, you know very safe stuff if you're like not an adventurous eater uh you're not gonna starve right and so so I'm just eating the same stuff I normally eat, fried chicken, fried um, fried vegetables. And then there's like this big uh, bowl of rice, which is usually, if you get sick, it's usually because of the rice. Because, excuse me, because rice is, um, I guess bacteria grows at room temperature. Like if something's really hot or really cold, bacteria doesn't grow very good. But if it's like room temperature uh it thrives so the rice is probably made in the morning and then it's just sitting out all day until customers come right and then so i scoop the rice i put it in the plate sarah finds this giant black hair in her rice 
I'm like, all right, the rice is off the menu. I'm not going to eat this rice. So I don't eat that. I just eat the chicken and anything else that's fried. Then after that, we go to, no, we still walk around that village. Oh, fuck. I'm mixing things up. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a village that's a really nice village. You know, it's got like running water through um, the main streets, like on the sides. So there's like, oh, it's hard to describe. It's like a, there's a road and then there's a, a ditch, but the ditch on, on either side is like cement. Like it's like kind of man-made. And then there's a river running through it. It's really cool. And all the buildings are really old and that kind of ancient Chinese architecture style, um, cobblestone roads, uh, landscaped. Uh, and there's like shops, you know, you can go and buy some, some pastries and some, you know, Chinese souvenirs, that kind of thing. Um, and then there's like this garden and then there's this bathroom, but the bathroom's locked. I'm not, I'm like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go to the washroom. I just had to pee. Right. And then, so this bathroom was locked. So then I'm just sitting there and I'm like, yeah, okay, well we should probably find a bathroom cause this one's locked. And so we head back. And at this point I get, uh, my stomach kind of hurts and I'm like, you know, maybe I'm just hungry cause I didn't really eat that much at, at lunch. So I ate, ate an apple. I, my stomach felt really not good at all. I'm like, yeah, I don't think this is hunger. Like this, this is, this is not good. I gotta, I gotta find a washroom like right now. So then I found a washroom, a walk-in, as you can imagine, completely disgusting. And, uh, I, I go to the bathroom, but like just normal, um, it was, it was a, it was a number two. I'm going to be honest, but it was just normal, very standard. And, and I'm like, okay, maybe that's what it was. So I leave, I meet up with Sarah and we're walking around the village. I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of feeling nauseous. I, I got to be honest with you. I, I'm really not feeling good. Uh, I got to go back to the bathroom. So I go back to the bathroom. I close the door, lock it. It was like this individual kind of standalone bathroom. And immediately I just like projectile vomit. Like I didn't really, I wasn't really sure that I was going to do that. It just, boom, it came out. And then it started coming out the other end. And I'm like, holy frig, right? And uh, I was in there for a while. I, and I made a complete mess because it's like a, a squatter toilet. It's just like flush with the floor. So I just puked on the floor and it just went everywhere. So I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be a dick, right? So I, there was a broom in there. So I, I'm like brushing my puke into the, into the, into the kind of toilet receptacle thing. Um, so like the next person comes in is like, oh, fuck, come on, man. Like I didn't want to be that kind of guy, right? So I cleaned it up, but the, I'm assuming that that broom is nasty, right? So I leave and I wash my hands. I meet up with Sarah. We're walking around and I feel like shit. Like I do not feel good. And I think that I might vomit in the street. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is not good. And Sarah, I guess didn't, I don't know. I, I felt like she wasn't really being sensitive to my illness. She's taking me in another shops and Sarah's like a pain in the ass to, to shop with because she looks at everything and she's like, Oh, what about this? Oh, look at this. Oh, what about this? Oh, how about this? And she's taking forever. And you're like, fuck, come on, man. Like, I don't know if you know this, but I'm sick or I don't want to be going in and out of shops. If you want to buy these pastries, just buy them. Stop inspecting every bag. I'm like, Oh, maybe this store. Oh, how about this store? So like she's, she's doing this. And I'm like, you know what? I, I can't do this right now. I'm just going to sit on this, uh, step. It wasn't even a bench. It was just a step. And I'm just like, 
um, and it started to rain. So I had, I had like, I had my raincoat on, so I wasn't getting wet. I had the hood up and I'm like kind of getting a fever and I'm shaking and I'm just sitting there. And so I meet up with our, our guides, our guides, they don't, they've been here a hundred times. So they're not necessarily walking around. They're just stationed in the kind of like the main square, uh, for, for like meeting place. And they have the flag so people can sit there and meet them. And I'm just sitting on the step by them. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm not feeling good. They're like, oh yeah, it's altitude sickness. Uh, this is common. Uh, you know, if you feel nauseous, it, it, it'll pass. Don't worry. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I've felt this before. I've had this exactly the same experience and it feels like food poisoning. They're like, what? Food, food poisoning? Like, it's like they've never heard of it. They're like, no, 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 no. We don't know. There's no food poisoning. I'm like, well, maybe it's called something different in your country, but basically it means like when you eat some tainted food or there's some sort of bacteria, I've got like a, a stomach virus. That this is definitely what it is and definitely not altitude sickness. They're like, no, 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 no. It's altitude sickness. I'm like, uh, all right. So I'm like, Hey, listen, man, I'm going to go back to the bus. Um, tell Sarah that that's where I am. They're like, all right, all right. So I'm walking back to the bus and I'm reasonably certain that I'm going to blow chunks at some point. And I'm looking I'm like, fuck, should I do it in this river? Like, I don't want to f- puke in this, in this, this village's river. Like if this is like their drinking water, like what kind of a dick would I be if I just puke in it? Right. So I'm like, no, I can't do that. Can't do that. So I walk you know, back to the bus is very far. Actually, it wasn't wasn't convenient at all. So I go back to the bus. There was uh, some other people there who had, I guess, they had they were done with the the tour. It was raining or whatever. So I sit on the bus, and people are like, "Man, you look like shit." I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's not going well for me, man. I got I got food poisoning," um, which they're trying to convince me it's altitude sickness, and they're like, "Oh, that sucks, man." So I recline my chair. I'm just sitting there. I sit there for maybe two minutes like wasn't long at all so i'm like you know what i gotta go to the washroom so i get off the bus there's no wash there's no bathroom on the bus uh and i go to this place and you gotta pay like a lot of public toilets you gotta pay so i I, fortunately i had money so i paid um like one whatever yuan which is like i don't know 20 10 cents that's nothing it's it's pennies so then i pay that i go in there and i just have a terrible time. I'll save you the details, but it's a terrible time. Like completely disastrous. And I'm moaning and I'm making noises and it's, it's bad. And then, so I, I kind of think I'm done. I go out, I'm walking around and I'm, I'm sweating. I'm not feeling good at all. I go, you know what? I'm going to be on this bus for a long time. I better get everything out of my system. Because if you recall my trip, my podcast from Myanmar, I had a very unfortunate incident on a bus. I think it's episode 15, like podcast 15. Go listen to that hilarious story. I don't want to repeat that ever again. So I go back to the washroom, pay my one yuan. I go back in there and it's not good. I'm, I'm, I'm being very euphemistic or, uh, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it very a polite way of saying, but I'm, I'm dying in there and I'm not a religious person by any means. I'm not saying there's not a God. I'm just not, I don't subscribe to religion, but in times of peril, I get really religious and I'm sitting there with my pants around my ankles, sweating, and I'm praying. I'm like, please, God, if you can hear me, if you're out there, help me. I'm dying here. Like, I I feel like shit. And I literally, I would not want to wish that on my worst enemy. It was so horrendous to go through that experience i felt so so bad it was not just like i don't know some food poisoning you're like you throw up and then you maybe lay in bed and you're like i don't feel great but whatever i'm gonna call in sick today no man i felt like i was dying and i was 
it's hard to describe without getting graphic, but so I'm in there for a long time and then people are checking on me. They're like, dude, are you okay? I'm like, uh, I don't know. It depends on what you mean by okay. Like I'm, I'm kind of fucked up right now, right? I get out of there. And by the way, there's no toilet paper in the public bathrooms. And I, I knew this. I knew this before my trip because we did research. So you have to bring your own. So we bring our own what we think we need like the amount that we think we're going to need for the day. But I blew through that like pff, like nothing. And I'm looking for like napkins or like old snot rags. I'm looking for anything. And then so at some point, Sarah comes in like, hey, man, are you okay? I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, not really. Do you have any toilet paper? She hands me some under the under the thing. And like, I'm like, okay, look. And it's like midday. It's like two o'clock. I'm like, okay, guys, look, I cannot go the rest of the day. I got to go back to the hotel and deal with this. Like, um, is it cool if I take a cab from here? And they're like, no, no, no. It's way too far and way too expensive. Why don't we get on the bus and we'll drive into the city first. And then we'll drop you off somewhere in the city and you take a cab from there. And, and by the way, somebody else got sick. Like there's another, like the mother daughter, like the daughter who is like 34. She's going through the same thing I'm going through. And she looks like shit. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not. I don't wish this on anybody, but it's slightly better. I got to be honest. It's slightly better to not go through it by yourself for some reason. I don't know why that made it better. So we get dropped off at this random hotel. I don't know why. Maybe because whatever. It's like a who knows. We just get dropped at this hotel and we're going to wait for a cab. The it was so it's me, Sarah, the the national guide. So the the local guide is going to take the rest of the, the, the tour on to the next part of the day. But the national guide stayed with us. And then it's the young lady, like the 34-year-old and her mom. So whatever, that's five of us. So then I'm like, so we're looking for a taxi. I'm like, yo, look, I don't know if I'm ready for a taxi yet. I got to go into this washroom. I go, I go into this hotel and it's just the same thing. Like, I'm not going to get de- detail, but it's, it's not good. Let's put it that way. So I come down after a while and we get into a cab, go to the hotel and I get into bed and I, I'm, in, I'm in my clothes. I got like a sweatpants and like a hoodie and I'm, I got a toque on. I got the hoodie um, pulled over my head and I'm laying in bed and I'm not doing well at all. I'm, I feel like, I'm feel like shit. And so the tour guide, Jeff, the national guy comes in and he goes, Hey, just so you know, or is like, I strongly encourage you to go to the, the emergency room immediately. It's very, very urgent. I'm telling you. So I'm like, Jesus, man, like, <laughs> way to scare the shit out of somebody. So I'm like, all right, like, fuck, am I dying? Like, so I just, to be honest with you, I've had food poisoning and I just kind of waited it out. You know, you call in sick and you just lay in bed and maybe by midday, you can't eat anything because it immediately comes up. And by midday, like 24 hours later, you start, you could probably you know, eat some soup and you, you know, it's, you can get over it. Uh, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. And that's what I plan to do. But this guy's like, no, man, you have to go to the emergency room right now. No fucking around. You have to go. I'm like, oh shit. So I, so I get my stuff. Um, we, we call a cab. We go, or it was me. Um, because the cabs can only, I, I guess they're small, right? They can't fit all five of us. So, the tour guide Jeff sat in the front seat of a cab 
and me and Hannah, this other lady who was really sick, sat in the back seat. And Hannah's got a bucket in between her legs. I've got a bag in my pocket if if we need it. And then and nobody speaks English, like zero in this country. Or sorry, in this city, right? And so we drive to the hospital and Sarah and the mom of the Hannah lady is in a taxi and they've been instructed to go to the hospital. But when they get out, they don't know exactly where we are, um, which I find out later. I just kind of took for granted. Like, oh yeah, there's Sarah. Like, but then I'm like, well, how the fuck did you guys find us? Right. So, so Jeff and I, Jeff's, we go to the emergency room and I'm laying down on this metal bench just in like a fetal position like oh fuck right and then so it took like forever for anyone to see us and this lady came by like hey man are you asked me some questions by that time sarah was there and i'm like sarah can you answer any of her questions i can't remember what she's asking like are you allergic to anything or what seems to be the problem i don't know some some questions they eventually admit us to um uh a room which we're sharing with so it's me hannah and then some other person was in there and like i'm this isn't this isn't Canada. This isn't like some nice hospital where everything is like, you know, new. This is some janky ass hospital in the middle of some random Chinese city. Nobody speaks English. And like, it looks like it's like, you know, this hospital is a hundred years old and I'm laying on this, this bed. There's like cracks in the walls. The paint is chipping. And I feel like I'm in a museum more than a hospital. It's like, uh, okay, so I'm laying on this bed, which got like blood stains on it. I'm like, fuck, man, like, is this clean? They're like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. I'm like, all right. And then, so they hook me up with IV. They hook up Hannah first. They take Hannah in and then me in. So she's all hooked up with IV. I get hooked up later. And there's four bags and it's dripping into me. Like, and I do the math. I'm thinking, well, fuck, if one drip every like 10 seconds, I'm going to be here all night. It's like, you know, it's like five, six o'clock in the evening. And so, so, so I'm not literally looking forward to that. I'm trying to get some sleep. I feel like shit. My mouth is so dry because I'm dehydrated because I, every piece of liquid is out of my body or so I think. So I'm just, I'm just sitting there with like cotton mouth and I'm like, Oh, Sarah, man, can you, can you fill up a cap of, of water? Like we have a water bottle. Um, can you just fill up a cap, like the lid and put it in my mouth? And I'm like, oh, I would love to be back home and just drink this acai juice or whatever, right? And here I am, like, I'm willing to do anything just for a cap of water. I'm that dehydrated. And this is what the point of the, the IV bags are to, to drip into me because I'm, they have to restore my electrolytes and my sh- sugar and lipids. And I don't know, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. So Sarah's pouring, pouring the liquid in and, and sometimes I'm just holding it in my mouth just to, keep my mouth moist and then like i literally count down because i'm not supposed to eat anything right uh they told me and i'm counting down like oh fuck like has it been 10 minutes yet sarah can i get another cup of water and then the next time i'd ask would be like eight minutes and the next time i'd ask me five minutes and then two minutes i'd be like oh man can i get some more water eventually i had drank in the whole fucking bottle of water maybe like half of it so so after I drink like half the bottle, I go, hey, man, I'm not feeling good. I, I think I have to use the washroom. The problem is, so I have IVs dripping into me. It's connected to my my a vein in my arm. I can't necessarily take that out. And the IV is not on a stand, like a wheelie stand. It's like connected to this thing from the ceiling. So I'm like, uh, okay, I'll just 
I'll just hold it. And then the, the tour guide's like, no, 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 you have to hold it at a certain height. I'll go with you. So, so I'm like, okay, man. So the, the, the first time I go to the washroom, it was, it's outside and now it's like dark as shit. It's like, you know, 11 at night. And it's cold and I'm, I'm not, I have like the fever. So I'm like, sh- you know, shaking and whatnot. And I'm walking outside. Um, I think Sarah's on one. I've got like my arm over her shoulder and she's helping me walk. And the, my other arm, uh, no, 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 that's, that's wrong. I can't remember. So, like, I think they were helping me walk. So, oh, no, no, you know what I'm confusing that with when we left? Okay. Never mind. So Jeff goes with me and we go to, the washroom and the in, in so it's one door you open the door and there's three there's a squatter toilet which is not it has one wall but it doesn't have a door and then beside that is a a regular toilet which is completely open has no door and then um another part of the wall like straight ahead so that was like onto the left and then straight ahead there's a urinal and there's a guy pissing in the urinal and then i think there's a sink in there so then Jeff goes, okay, well, what, what do you need to do? Right. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just check out this uh, squatter toilet real quick. So this dude, I'm, so I immediately, I just puke all the liquid, the water that Sarah had given me. I puke it up, boom, everywhere. And then I turn around, I pull my pants down. This dude's standing right in front of me, holding the freaking IV bag. It's dripping into my arm. And I'm like, I'm, I have really bad diarrhea. And this dude's like holding, he's standing like literally directly in front of me and I'm, uh, and he's handing me toilet paper and I'm moaning and I'm, it's not pretty at all. Like bless this guy's heart, man. And he had to do that three times. We didn't have to do that. He did that three times throughout the evening, you know, maybe like a couple hours after that. I'm like, yo man, Jeff, I got to go again. So yeah, sure enough, he grabbed the bag. We go to the thing. I'm puking. I'm diarying he's sitting right there like like yeah it was crazy and then so i ended up being there so hannah for some reason the liquid went into her body much faster uh than me so she left at let's say midnight i'm there till like 3 30 in the morning and and everybody's exhausted like the the tour guide jeff so we had um the the local guide at one point came by uh, then she left. We had another guide that was like, I don't know who she was. She was like, cause I was kind of trying to sleep. So my eyes were kind of peeking open. She was, uh, I think maybe another person from like the same tour company. And then she left. So then Jeff, who's been up from like 6 a.m. and now it's like 3.30 a.m. the next day. Same thing with, with Sarah and me. Like I, it's not like I'm sleeping. I'm laying there with my eyes closed, but. Um, so we're all exhausted. Sarah at some point climbs into the bed with me. She's like, yeah, fuck this. Move over. I gotta, I gotta sleep. Right. And Jeff, he's, he's in a chair. He's sleeping, but he's staying awake because he needs to tend to my needs and answer any questions, talk to the nurse, uh, this kind of thing. So he's not really getting that much sleep. Um, at some point, like the people beside me. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention this. Hannah, who is the other girl on our trip that uh, was also sick. She's in the bed beside me excuse me not in the same bed it's like three separate beds but the bed adjacent to me and she's moaning like like the whole time i'm like hey man do do you mind not doing that you're freaking everyone out like it's making it worse uh so so that was kind of made it more of a bad experience and i'm i'm not feeling good i want to i want to emphasize like 
I've, I don't feel comfortable and my, my stomach is, is bubbly and all that kind of stuff. And then on the other side of me is some other person, the stranger, I don't know. And then they left and a new person came in. New people were coming and going. Hannah left. A new person came in. It, it, was, it was chaos in there. And they're strangers. They're like checking on me because I don't, they don't see a lot of white people. I should have mentioned this earlier. Like I was like a freaking Sasquatch in this country. Like there, a lot of the people in the, the group were Caucasian and we had so many people take our photos and come up to us. And not even ask, they just kind of stand by us and their friend would quickly take a photo and they would like run away. Like, it's like, dude, do you guys not see white people? Like, and so I'm in the hospital and people are like staring at me like, what the fuck you guys caught Pigfoot, right? Like, and they're like poking at me and stuff like that. It was really weird. This one lady, she's a stranger. She, cause I had my, like the covers kind of like by my waist and she like pulled them up and then put them over me and tucked me in i'm like who the fuck are you like you're not even a nurse right like don't touch me no it's, it's nice but anyway um so we eventually leave after the last bag is finished and that's when they uh sarah and <laughs> um jeff carried me out i had one arm around jeff one arm around sarah and we walked out of the ho- uh, hospital into a cab and i'm like hey jeff man thank you so much like that's a huge burden to take on, like a huge burden of responsibility to like look after me all night. And I made sure I tipped him very, very well, like insane amount of tip. Uh, not that day, but like on the, on the end of the tour. And so when we get to the hotel, he comes by the hotel and he makes this beverage for me, like this really salty. It's for, you know, restoring your electrolytes. And, um, he had to wait for the water to boil, wait for the water to cool, mix this liquid. And to mix the liquid, he was pouring it he had one water bottle and then he'd pour it in another water bottle and then pour it back. And just to do that, to make it cool faster. So he stayed up to like, you know, four, four in the morning doing that. Later, I find out that he went to some other people's rooms after that and checked on them. So the next day, like, I, I don't know what they did that next day. I didn't go on that excursion, but from what I understand, well, it doesn't matter. So I told Sarah and Jeff, I'm like, look, would it be cool if I just stayed in the hotel all day? because I don't want to go on this excursion. I don't want to eat anything. I just want to, I just want to relax. I do not feel good. I'm not, I don't want to make it seem like I'm getting better. I like, I'm not vomiting and I'm not diarrheaing, but I feel like shit. And no, that's not true. I am, I am diarrheaing. And so I'm just not vomiting. And then, so I'm laying in bed all day and I'm eating like half a cracker, just nibble, 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 and then a little bit of water. And then I had Sarah bought me um, a vitamin water uh, and some some salted crackers, but I think the salt was taken off. So I'm just eating that all day. And so then we sleep. I later find out that a lot of people are now getting sick um from the from the tour like a lot of people not as bad as me they're not going to the hospital but they're vomiting and having diarrhea like a lot of people like 80 percent of the, the the group and most of them also opted to stay in the hotel like i like i didn't know that i thought it was just me and this hannah and then i'm like yeah um i think they're trying to tell us that it's uh altitude sickness but it's definitely not altitude sick this is food poisoning and everyone agreed with me like oh yeah yeah they're just doing that to save face because they feel bad, right? So that day goes by. The next day after that, 
and I don't think I had anything to eat. And this Jeff guy was calling me like, Hey man, do you want me to bring you some food? Do you want me to, uh, I said, no, I'm good. So that whole day, I don't think I ate anything. I like crackers. Right. And so the day after that, we're like, look, you can't stay in the hotel. Um, we have to fly to freaking wherever, right? Like Kong Kong. I think it's called Kong King, like C H O N G Q I N G Kong King. I think so. Uh, and then in the morning, we're going somewhere. We're going for breakfast and we're doing an adventure and then we're going to fly. I'm like, hey, do you mind if I, I skip that morning adventure? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then so I believe I went down for breakfast and I ate something, like a, a piece of toast <laughs> or something like that. Still feeling really, really, really bad. Like I'm not, I'm not getting better. It's, it's not getting worse. I'm getting better, but it's not like I'm doing cartwheels and like, I'm like, I, I feel like I need to be laying down right now at all times. So then I had to suck it up because by, I waited to the very last moment. I laying in bed until the time when they're like, okay, man, we got to go. And then from that moment, I walked into the lobby. I sat down. I had a couple more diarrheas. Um, everyone else kind of looked, I kind of shared my story like, oh yeah, man, I was in the hospital and Jeff had to hold the, the IV while I shit. It was really cool. And so a lot of other people are like, yeah, man, I got sick too. And that's kind of how I learned about it. Like, oh yeah, you got sick. No way. So then from there we get into a tour bus. We drive to the airport. We're sitting in the airport and I feel like shit. Right. And, and they bring out lunch because we didn't get lunch and it was KFC, a like greasy KFC. I'm like, nah, man, I'm good. I pass on that. <clears throat> go onto the plane. The plane ride was like only an hour and a half. It wasn't that long, two hours maybe. So I just sucked it up. I, la- I, I laid on the plane. Everything was cool. I didn't use, need to use the washroom. I had an aisle seat in case I need to go uh, run to the washroom. I had a bag in my pocket in case I need to puke. But I, I sucked it up. I was good. We land. The great thing about Kong King is that it's at, at sea level. So if it was to do with altitude sickness, which I'm convinced it wasn't, but if it was, if that had any part to play in this, I should start to feel better uh, starting like, you know, immediately because Kong King's at sea level. So <clears throat> we land in this city and th- we meet up with this tour guide and she's like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, real quick, this city has 32 million people. It's the biggest in China. I'm like, what the fuck, right? Like, I thought Beijing or Shanghai was the biggest. Like, no, 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 man. This is like the the biggest city. This is uh, 80 times more people than Hong Kong. And I've been to Hong Kong. Hong Kong is ridiculously busy. There is so many people in Hong Kong. And this has, you know, Canada has like 34, 35 million people. This city had 32 million. It was ridiculously busy like yeah we make all the ford cars here nissan all the iphones we make everything here i'm like uh i raised my hand i'm like hey how come nobody's ever heard of this city if it's so big they're like yeah i don't know it's it's i, I can't remember her answer maybe it's because it's i think it's not that old it's like a new city and actually this the, the city itself only has like 12 million and then the outskirts have 20 million something like that so so yeah, and then so we're driving from the airport to a cruise ship because we're going to go on the Yang- Yangtze River and it's a Yangtze River cruise for five days, which is, you know, kind of a perfect, if I was to get sick at any point, because every other day up um, 
before that, and I skipped a ton of shit, by the way, but every day before that was like, uh, you know, Beijing, we stayed for three nights in this one hotel, but then every, every day after that, we'd stay in a hotel. Um, we'd have to pack up our shit because the next day we're on a bus and we're driving to another city and getting on a different hotel, you know, taking out our stuff or toothbrush, brush our teeth, change of clothes, pack everything up, put on the bus, drive to another city. It was like relentless. And it was from like 6 a.m. to like 9 at night. We were constantly busy doing shit. It would be terrible to get sick on any days prior to that because, you know, if you're sitting on a bus for eight hours and there's no toilet anywhere, like, what are you going to do? That's a huge situation right there. But so I got sick kind of at an ideal time. We go into this Yancey River cruise. So I'm on a cruise ship. I've got my own room. I'm always within like reach of a bathroom. I don't really have to do anything throughout the day. Like there's no real reason for me to leave my hotel room just for meals. I could, so that's what I did for a lot of the first couple days. I'd come up for, for breakfast. I just eat like, um, really simple foods, like noodles with no sauce. I did that for a couple days, um, drank lots of water just to try to get my system back to eating solid foods. Eventually, I started to like feel better. There's still the smell of the food because I'm eating Chinese food like three days a week or um, three times a day for the last like two and two weeks at this point. And so I just get so sick of it. And then like just the smell, you walk in at breakfast and that like oily, greasy smell hits you. And there's all these like fried fish. And it's like, oh man, I don't want to eat this shit. Um, but, but I did. And then like the cruise was pretty cool because every so often, like the first day they stop, this cruise ship docks somewhere and then you do an adventure for a couple hours and then you come back and then it, the cruise ship goes again. I, I skipped that adventure because I still wasn't feeling good. Um, it sounds like I didn't really miss much and some other, a lot of other people skipped it as well. The cruise ship was cool. One, one of the, the places we docked was called the Tribe of Three Gorges and we stopped and it's like this really ancient city no it's not a city like it's like a village within this like ravine i got a bunch of pictures of it it's very very cool so it's like a river like this crystal clear water river flowing through and there's bamboo and monkeys and all these ancient like huts built on the side and these stone bridges oh man and a waterfall it's like the most prettiest place i've been that i can remember um and my pictures don't do it justice because they don't catch they don't catch everything, but it was so incredibly gorgeous. You had to pay. That was like $56 a person. You had to pay extra just to go on that. But I'm glad I did. It was, it was really nice. And then another day, we the boat docked, and we got on these little smaller boats. It's still a big-ass boat. It could fit like you know 30 people. And then we cruise up this narrow part of the river, and just the – it was like the – because the, the Yangtze River goes between these like giant mountains which is really cool and these giant gorges so it's like like huge cliffs and all these cool rocks and um lots of history like there are people bearing bodies in these caves and oh man it was so cool so we do that for an hour and we turn around come back got some really awesome photos and then on the cruise ship there wasn't really that much to do there's a lot there's like some shops and there's a talent show one evening which on the cruise ship there's we've now met with tons of people there's like 400 
people. It's like a lot of other, it was a, it was a sign of like the tour group that I went with is called Sinorama Holidays. So it was a Sinorama Holiday cruise, but it was people from other tours that had now merged with our tour. So there's, you know, tons of people. And, uh, we all met for, for breakfast, lunch and dinner and they stagger it. So like they call you in your hotel, in your suite. It would be like a PA system. They'd be like, okay, now, or no, I think, no, that's not true. I think they had like a, yeah, this is what they did. They had a piece of paper that they'd print out every day and it would have your schedule. It would tell you, okay, you have to come at like 7.15. That's your breakfast time. Just to kind of stagger it. What else did we do? Just, yeah, like the three gorges were really cool. So you stand out on the, <clears throat> you stand out on like the deck of the cruise ship and the wind is just howling. Like I couldn't even breathe. It was like, I don't know if you get that same experience where you're like the back of a, a convertible and the wind is rushing at you so fast you can't really breathe it in. And like, it was like that for me and my hair was blowing everywhere and I almost felt like I was going to knock, knock over. The wind was so strong, but the view was incredible. These giant mountains, these gorges we'd pass through. And then at one night we went to, um, this thing called, it was like the locks. I don't know if you've ever been to Seattle where they have like two different water levels. So they have like, um, let's say a river that's at one level and then a lake at an, that's at another level. So you can't get from one to the other. So what you have to do is you have to drive your boat into this thing and they seal it and then the water drains and then they open the other door and then your boat can drive through. So it's kind of like this, I don't know, I don't know if I described it well, but then they have those types of things for this uh, Yanzi River, but you had to go through five of them and it took like eight hours. So we arrive at night and then we go through them. That was kind of cool. I didn't stay up for it because the, it's really slow and boring, like just the water drains. I kind of took a few, we, we went out there and took a few pictures. And then other, other times we just hung out outside at night, took pictures of the, the passing city lights. Like, you know, we'd drive it, the, the cruises, uh, five days down this river. So you, you drive past all these weird cities, right? And you drive under bridges, you get some cool photos. I think I posted a lot of those on my uh, Facebook and Instagram. And then at the end of the tour, we stop in like Jingzhou. I think from there we flew to Shanghai. And we fly to Shanghai. <clears throat> and again, Shanghai is like disgusting with pollution. Like you cannot see anything. And it's very similar to Beijing like busy as hell skyscrapers everywhere traffic is crazy and we get to the hotel and basically we got there late at night no i think we went to no yeah we were gonna go to the hotel and relax and and then go for dinner but we're like no that's gonna be too traffic's too busy let's just go to the restaurant now so that's what we did we went to a restaurant and then the hotel and then we woke up the next day and we had to fly back to vancouver at like noon so from like 7 a.m., Sarah and I woke up and we just walked around the hotel, like some of the streets of Shanghai. And then we took a direct flight from Shanghai to Vancouver, which is awesome because we were the only people that had a direct flight. Everybody else, there's one, like the people, there's like the mother-daughter, they're from Alaska. They had to fly from Shanghai to Beijing, Beijing to L.A., L.A. to Seattle, Seattle to Anchorage. Like there's so many transfers and a lot of a lot of people weren't that bad but 
there is at least one transfer on everybody. Like, oh, I have to fly to New York, then from New York to Toronto or something like that. But for us, it was just straight to uh, Vancouver, which is awesome. And you get back to Canada, and I appreciate the hell out of Vancouver, Canada, man. Like blue sky, uh, traffic's not that bad. It's not that many people. Um, my fridge is stocked full of food. I got my cat. My bed, oh my gosh, it felt so good to be back. And what, oh yeah, what I didn't tell you, I got sick. Um, I had a cold at the Stone River, or sorry, the Stone Forest, because there's like, you know, a million people there. And there's, you have to climb up these stairs and there's like handrails. And I, I don't really like touching stuff that other people touch, but I had no choice because I, I didn't want to be um, dangerous. So I was touching these handrails and that, like midday, you know the back of your throat when it gets sticky when you feel like you're getting sick? I'm like, oh, fuck, man. Like, I'm, I'm like, told Sarah, I'm like, yeah, man, I think I'm getting sick. So I got like a nasty cold. So the whole trip, so Stone Forest was like day four, day three, day four. I got, I had a nasty cold, which made everything worse. Um, everything I just told you, I had, uh, you know, blowing my nose every like, two minutes my nose is all raw i'm coughing like up a storm just you know the standard shit when you get cold but unlike when you're at home you can't just lay in bed or have a bath you're out doing shit all day you just gotta suck it up right so then i get back to vancouver and on like a thursday i get friday off um, because it's like easter friday or whatever they call it good friday and then i get the weekend and i gotta return to work on monday so I'm like, oh, sweet. I got three days to kind of recover. Sarah had to go. I think she got Friday off, but she had to go to work on Saturday. So she's still jet lagged and whatnot. Um, but when I get back to Vancouver, I get sick again. I'm jet lagged. My body's fatigued. I had lost like 15 pounds. Like I felt weak and frail and yeah. And I, and then I got sick again. So I, I'm still just getting over it. Like I got back on April 2nd and now it's like April 18th. I just kind of getting over it like maybe last week. This this entire week, I was feeling much better. I'm still underweight. I haven't gone back to the gym yet. Um, I got a 10K run to do tomorrow called the Vancouver Sun Runs. Uh, I think it's the biggest 10K run in, in Canada, um, which I'm not going to be able to complete. Let's be honest. I'm, gonna, I could, I'm assuming I can run about half of it. And then maybe walk for a kilometer. I, I, I mean, I'm not very confident that I can, I can do that, but I'm going to try, right? And then, but I haven't been training at all. Yeah, it just felt like shit. Just, I gotta, so I'm like eating a lot. I gotta get my weight back up. I gotta go back to the gym. Uh, and then I come back to Vancouver. Um, on the trip, I took a bunch of notes because sometimes I talk about this in some other places in, especially in my book, How to Write a Novel. Sometimes you get inspired by the muse, which is what the Greeks called it. Like the muses are these, like, I think they're nine goddesses that inspire creativity. It says, like, if you read it on Wikipedia, it says inspire creativity within men. But, you know, let's just say humans or women, women as well, or children, everybody. And they, they felt, the Greeks felt that sometimes there's these ideas that come to you that are not yours. You're not the author of these ideas. And you, you don't know where this inspiration comes from. You just get an idea, like this eureka moment. And I actually wrote a blog about it. It's on my blog, platosacademic.wordpress.com. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called e, EG on Creativity. And EG stands for Elizabeth Gilbert. And Elizabeth Gilbert did this TED Talk where she talks about where does creativity come from. And I 
think it's in there where I talk about all these different cases throughout history, like Michael Jackson, Thomas Edison, uh, um, Julius Oberth, uh, Warner von Braun, like all these examples of people who just get inspired out of nowhere. Moment of inspiration. Okay, point of my story. I also get that when I'm just walking around or I'm in the shower. I think everybody does. And they just get this moment of inspiration. Like, Holy shit, I got an idea. Like, so one day I got the, I'm reading an, uh, um, I'm reading Spider-Man and I get the entire, which has nothing to do with my idea. But I just want to give you the context of what I was doing. I'm in bed on the on the cruise, reading Spider-Man on my tablet, a Superior Spider-Man, where Doc Ock turns into Peter Parker. They switch bodies or switch minds. It's not that good. It, it starts off good, but then it's not that good. Anyway, I'm reading that, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" I just come up with the entire plot of the Art of the Hustle two, and I'm like, "Whoa, that's." That's cool. So I write it all down. And by the way, if you get one of those ideas, you have to write it down. You have to capture it because you'll never remember it. And like you think like, oh yeah, you know, I'll write that down later. I'll remember it. What I do as I remind myself, hey, just so you know, I hope you know you're throwing this idea away. If you're okay with that, then don't write it down. So when I'm sitting there thinking, ah, fuck, I'm too lazy. I don't write it down. I remind myself, okay, just so you know, you're throwing this away. So I write down everything every idea I have and I keep it on a file in my notebook on my on my computer so this I'm I'm sitting there on my phone on my notepad like on the note feature of my phone and I'm writing out the entire plot of the art of the hustle 2 which I didn't plan to write but I'm like fuck well that's a good idea that's a good plot and then at some point I'm well I always plan to write prodigy 3 so I had that in my mind so Sometimes I look at things like a painting or or a, a beautiful landscape, and I jot these ideas down. So for the entire trip, I'm writing down Prodigy three um, notes. So I get back to Vancouver and I immediately start writing. I wrote. I'm starting to write both of them. I, I put the um, Art of the Hustle aside, but I did write chapter one and two, and then the Prodigy three, uh, I wrote like ten thousand words. I got like eight chapters, but. So I'm, I'm writing that because I kind of want to keep the momentum going. But I also have my audiobook. I got that. I got to work on. I got to work on um, editing. I got this new book coming out called Eden, which um, I, I want to try to release this summer. I was busy, man. And then uh, what I didn't tell you, in China, everything's blocked. Like the internet is so boring in China. Like you can't do anything. You can't go to Google. You can't go to Facebook. can't go to Twitter. You can't go to Wattpad. You can't do anything. Everything's blocked. So there's only a couple things. I could go to LinkedIn and like read some business articles, which I did. And then I could go to this like MMA, uh, MMAfighting.com. I have this M- like this app that worked and I could read the articles from there, but I couldn't play any of the videos. So like, and then like, so Gmail, my Gmail didn't really work that often. Like sometimes it worked, but most of the time it didn't. I'm like, oh fuck, I got Gmail. And like, if you don't know, I get like, a hundred fucking emails a day from like fans and and stuff like that. So if you leave it for any length of time and then you check it, it's like boom inbox now like four hundred like oh fuck right like so it's kind of crazy but um uh so yeah that was that I'll see if I I'm trying to remember anything else that's kind of fun 
to talk about in China. Oh, here's a th- here's a thing. <clears throat> so I, w- I have this sweater. You might have seen in some of my photos. It's this red Nike zip-up hoodie I got from the Bay, the Hudson's Bay Company in Canada, which I paid. Well, it's it like a $90 sweater. It's a, it's a hoodie, which to me is expensive. And I didn't pay 90 I had a gift card, so I paid like half of that, which to me, $45 for a hoodie to me is still expensive. Um, but whatever. I bought it. And I'm like, yeah, I really like this hoodie. It fits well, good quality. I want to see if I can buy another one in China since everything is made in China. Um, maybe pick up another hoodie and maybe a color that you can't get in Canada. So I go to this Nike store. I happen to find a Nike store in like by one of the hotels. And um, I cruise down there just on my own. I just I just run down there. And um, and this I find the sweater. And it was like this cool color is like a kind of a blue with a yellow zipper. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I checked the price tag. I do the conversion on my phone. It's like $130. I'm like, what the fuck, right? And I checked the tags like made in China. I'm like, oh, you dicks, right? You're like, why the why is this so expensive? And I check out some shoes. And my eyes are kind of cool. It's like I did the conversion. It's like three hundred and fifty dollars. I'm like, what the fuck, right? Um, so I immediately, I'm like, well, if I can't afford anything in this store, so I leave. And I go to New Balance. It's the same thing. Everything's expensive. And by the way, like Nike is not that popular in China. Like from what we saw, um, it was New Balance. New Balance is king over there. Everybody has New Balance. Most people have like fake New Balance. Like uh, it's like New Burnt. Or like the N will be upside down or be, it'll be weird. Like the thickness of the N will, will look weird. It's like tons of bootleg shit over there. And, um, so I go back to the hotel and I talk to my, my guy, Jeff. I go, Hey man, uh, I told him basically the same story I told you. Like I got this sweater for 90, but here it's 130. What, what the heck, right? He goes, Oh, cause the, the, it's two reasons. One is because these, a lot of the products are made in Guangzhou and Guangzhou to, this city, which I can't remember where I was in, like, Lijiang or fuck, who knows where I was? I was somewhere. Um, the, the, the trek from the factory to this city is more difficult than the trek from Guangzhou to Canada. <clears throat> because in Canada, or on, uh, from that, you just load up onto a boat and you sail over the, on, over the ocean and, and it arrives in, some port, you know, either in Vancouver or in Toronto or whatever. But in Guangzhou to wherever I was, Lijiang, it's like through all this mountainous terrain, you got to like load up with yaks and get like Sherpas. And it's a huge, it's all mountains. It's all a huge pain in the ass. So that's one reason why it's expensive because nobody wants to do that trek. Um, so, so they, they do do it, but then they charge you for it right and then the second reason he's saying because it's like a hidden tax because anyone who can afford this stuff is probably well off it's tons of poor people in china but if you're buying a 130 dollars nike sweater you can probably afford a little bit of money so they they tax you so maybe 90 is the actual price but the extra 40 goes to the government so i'm like oh, okay that makes sense um so so yeah i think that's it i don't know if i have any other stories and that's basically the situation with some of my writing projects. Uh, Wattpad Audio, that's new. That just launched a couple days ago. Uh, so, and my book is featured. It's one of like, you know, a dozen that are featured. Um, also, I mentioned, I put a note out to everybody who reads, who read the story called Oak Ridge that um, I wrote for A&E. And people were so pissed at the ending. 
And I kind of explained it in a, in a email that I sent out to all, all my fans on Wattpad. But if you read that story and you didn't get that note and you're pissed about the ending, okay, the, it's a short story that I got commissioned to write. And the reason it ends open, it's, I don't even feel like it ends that open. It's, I wrap everything up. Basically, it's the stories about these people coming back from the dead, which is the plot of this new TV show called The Returned. And the reason why they selected me and, you know, two other writers is because we are, you know, have somewhat of a fan base on Wattpad. So by us writing it, we can, we can bring eyeballs to this TV show as, as part of a promotion deal, right? So, uh, and, and the gig pays, they paid me for it. Um, so I wrote a story which I thought would generate interest to the show. If I wrote a complete story where I solve all the mysteries, there's no point to watch the show, right? So I figured, and, and by the way, my script has to get approved before I write it. So I figured either I do one of two things. I, and I don't know why these people are coming back. Like I, the show, but when I wrote that, the show hasn't, hadn't been released yet. And I haven't seen the show. I don't know fucking clue how these people come back. So <clears throat> I had to, I could either do one of two things. I had, I could guess like how these people are coming back and either I get it right or I get it wrong. Either of those scenarios are undesirable. Either if I get it right, these people at A&E are going to be pissed because they're going to probably drag this out for like at least three seasons and then it's going to be some grand reveal. Like, oh, they're coming back because, you know, they were, they're clones or whatever, right? If I talk about clones in this short story, they're like, oh, hey, bro, you can't, you can't tell your story about clones because that's kind of the direction we're going and we don't want you to spoil the show. Okay, so that's if I guess and I get it right. If I guess and I get it wrong, let's say, oh, they're, they're zombies. They're, they're, they took a super serum. Let's say that was my ending. And then people read that and then watch the show. They're like, what the fuck? Where are all the zombies? Like, it might cause confusion. So I deliberately left it open, but because people are going to be pissed that, um, I don't offer them an explanation, I offer them an explanation. And my explanation never gets confirmed. And I deliberately do this. And my explanation is, is plausible. I'd be curious to know if they use it on the show because basically have two characters hypothesizing about what they think, how these people are coming back from the dead. So if you're looking for, um, an explanation, I've provided that. And then this, so the, the story that I wrote of Oak Ridge follows kind of two families. So that was, um, so the, so the next family is like this kid, Charlie, he dies at the beginning of the book and at the end he comes back. And so, and then I wrap that story up in a ni- nice and neat bow. So I don't know why people are so pissed. If you read the, the comments, they're like, oh, this can't end. Oh, you need to update. This is a shitty ending. It's like, hey, bro, fucking watch the show. If you're so curious about the show or like what's going to happen, that's the whole point. Oh gosh, it's like so hard to please people. And so, so whatever, that was my, my experience with that. Anyway, hit me up on Twitter, uh, check out my audio book, which you can either go through, um, the, the Android. It's only for Android on Wattpad. If you don't have Android, you can actually just go to SoundCloud. I don't know if you know that. Um, my, my handle on SoundCloud is the soundman81 and you can just listen to it all f- for free. I mean, there's, you don't have to go through Wattpad. And, uh, yeah, so, Writer Mullen at uh, Twitter at Writer Mullen, 
uh, Ryder Mullen on Facebook, Ryder Mullen on YouTube, um, my blog, which I haven't really wrote anything about. But anyway, hit me up if you got any comments, questions, or concerns. Peace.